Thank you, Lord. I will say that in Peru, it was wintertime. So in Peru, we had lows at night of about 55 to 58. And then the highs, get this, were like 77 to like 80. Oh, Jesus. It was, it was tough ministering for Jesus. Under the, and to come back here, and it was like 127. It was like, maybe I've been to hell, and it's called Houston, Texas. It is nothing but hot. But uh, if you don't mind this morning, and if you're a guest, I just please help me this morning. Uh, this is my first time back in the pulpit in almost a month. And I really wanted to share really a lot about Peru, if that's okay. And I have pictures and slideshows and uh, all that kind of stuff. I'm wearing Peru's flag, but this is kind of their colors, the red and white. We would, uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, but we spent a lot of time going into schools. And uh, we would have a drama. There were 10 teams, 80 people, and they split us up into, into teams. And uh, this was all so well organized and orchestrated. And uh, a lot of times we would go into schools and we would call it an American cultural exchange. And that's how we got into the schools. And there would be a little teaching about English and those types of things. But really, each, one, each team had a clown with them. And of course, kids with a clown was just out of control. And the, it just so captivated them. And we would do about a 20 to 30 minute presentation. And uh, since I was the only man in our group, uh, I had to be Jesus every time, just to be, <laughs> to be scripturally cor to correct. But uh, one of the children, you know, these kids, I just, you, you just have no idea. You have no idea what's out there. And that there's a gospel and we have the good news. And uh, man, I'll never forget their faces. And uh, I told myself I wouldn't cry, but uh, right. I'm going to cry. But one of them ran up and took it off their shirt and they gave it to me when we left. And I don't know if it was a, an important thing to them or not, but it just meant so much. Uh, they were so appreciative. They were so thankful. They were so honored that a group of 80 Americans would come to Inca, Peru, just to be with them on a school assembly on a Monday morning. Now, I got them out of class, so that was kind of a good thing, too, <laughs> right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Leslie to come first. And Leslie and Emily and myself were the team that you actually sent. Uh, we started out when I originally asked who wanted to go. I had over 30 names of people that signed up to go. And uh, when it came down to start believing God for money, um, some attrition started to happen. And uh, so we went from 30 to the divine nine. And from the divine nine, we got turned into the great eight. And then from the great eight, uh, we got down to the final four. And then the day of the final departure, uh, it was the three of us that actually got on the plane from the church. So 10% uh, of those that signed up got to go, actually went. And uh, uh, I'm just going to have both Leslie and Emily share a little bit before I do. Go ahead. Testing, testing. <laughs> I was hoping I was going to go last. <laughs> so I actually um, wrote down a little bit of um, 
my story or the journey as the day that Pastor Jack stood up here and asked everybody who would be interested in going to Peru. <laughs> I was sitting right behind Miss Jackie, and I had just got back from a Christians United for Israel event, and so my heart was set on going to Israel this year. So when he asked who wants to go to Peru, I felt a little bit of a stirring in my spirit, and I kind of squashed it down. I'm like, no, Israel's where I want to go. But my left arm went right up into the air. <laughs> and so me and the Holy Spirit were going back and forth right in that seat. And I was like, put my hand down, put it down, put it down. What are you doing? Um, but I just felt so led to keep my, my hand raised. And then uh, Pastor Jack let everybody know if you raised your hand, I want to meet with you after service here at the front. So when he dismissed service, I actually got up out of my seat and started walking up the aisle thinking that I could sneak away <laughs> unseen, and I felt a conviction uh, in my spirit to stop in my place, and the Holy Spirit literally turned me around and marched me back up to the front of the room. Um, so, so funny the way the Lord works. Um, that entire drive home, I was completely flabbergasted, and I said, Lord, if you want me to go on this trip, you better make a way, because I don't know how I'm going to save $3,500 in four months. And he began to work on me. I studied faith, scriptures. I studied Pastor Seville, uh, his ministry about tithing and offering. And I did what I could to raise funds on my own. I created a, an annual planner that I posted on Amazon for sale. I sold one copy. <laughs> um, I talked to friends and family members, didn't get a dime. Um, and so one day, I, um, I, I knew with um, the faith class or faith school that we listen to every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., um, Keith Moore said something that hit me hard, and he said, God can do anything with seed as long as there is a seed to sow. So it doesn't matter if it's a dollar, if it's $10 or $20, as long as you sow it in faith, God can multiply it. Hallelujah. So I had, I think, what was my last $30 before my next paycheck, and I prayed over it. I spoke over it, and I said, God, if you can do anything... I know you can do anything, but if you can do something with this seed, multiply it. And I sowed that seed. And I kid you not, <laughs> service was dismissed. The group of us wanting to go to Peru stood outside in the foyer in a circle, uh, talking about, you know, did we have our deposit ready? And Emily was standing to my left. She said, I'd like to sow into your trip. I want to pay for your deposit. How much was my seed? $30. How much was the deposit? 300 Immediately, prayers were answered. So, Emily, thank you so much for being led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. She didn't know that story, so that's the first time she's hearing it. But when she said it, I almost, I almost just, whoa, all over, all over the floor. <laughs> so, God is good. So, um, we had deadlines to meet for the rest of our, our um, trip funds, and the scripture, James 1, 6 and 8, 6 through 8, actually kept, I kept just meditating on it. And it said that he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in his waves. 
So everything I did to try to raise funds on my own, it failed. <laughs> it was completely squashed. I, I sent partner letters to businesses, uh, local businesses, and people that I knew in the community, and I didn't get any responses. And so every day it was, it was hard to not waver. But God told me, and I kept praying, Lord, guide me, give me opportunities and insights. Forgive me for any worrying or fretting. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to put it into your hands. And he literally, every single dime of that trip was covered. Hallelujah. So I don't want to take up too much time, but um, corporate prayer night leading up to the day of our departure, I uh, was finished packing. There were two items on my list that I did not have. Um, And I was packing. We're supposed to pack snacks and things. And I was thinking, I wonder if there is a Starbucks in Peru, because I love (laughs) Starbucks. And I was taking my dog for a walk, and the scripture, Romans 10, 14 through 15, popped up in my spirit, which states, um, let's see. I've got it written here. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? And as I was thinking about the scripture, I kind of got it a little mixed around. And so I made it in my mind that I was going to look up the scripture later. So we had corporate prayer. We all prayed in the spirit as we, we always do. And Michael was actually sitting at my table. And he goes, something... Um, two things came up in my spirit. I mean, he, he didn't know what it was about really, but he goes, uh, I'm supposed to tell you, yes, there is a Starbucks in Lima, Peru. (laughs) He did not know that that was a thought. I had never voiced that thought, but God confirmed it through him, which just cracked me up. I'm like, of all the things that you could answer me, all these questions I have, that's the one you want to answer. Um, (laughs) and then the second thing he said was Romans 10, 14 and 15, the exact scripture I had been meditating before I showed up to prayer. So if there were any remaining questions in my mind as to whether or not it was God's will for us to go on this trip, those were the confirmations. He squashed every, every lingering doubt. Um, so I just want to say this. When God has great things in store for you, Satan's going to do all he can to steal your joy and your blessing to keep you from doing what you've been called to do. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, we need to take up the full armor of God so that we, being able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. I'm sure Pastor Jack and Emily are going to share about it. That's kind of what I wanted to go last on. But um, all the opposition that we faced, even the day that we arrived at the airport, the days <laughs> past actually arriving in Peru, all these little things that happened that went wrong. Um, I actually got excited every little thing that went wrong <laughs> because I knew that Satan was doing everything he could to stop us from going on this trip. And so I actually got excited. Others got a little annoyed, but I'm like, no, this is awesome. This is going to be great. <laughs> I knew in my heart of hearts that we were going to be a part of a great move of God. And so uh, do you want to share the numbers or do you mind if I share the numbers? Okay. Um, 27,582 brothers and sisters were rescued from the enemy's clutches. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
There were 343 documented instantaneous healings. Hallelujah. And that was, they have pieces of paper, they get their name, their phone number, their age, their problem, how long they did experience in that problem, and how God healed them. And they were right there on the spot. Many more that were undocumented, but that was what we could have people actually sit and write down right there on the spot. Whoo, hallelujah. So I kind of want to leave with this. Um, the ages were from kindergarten all the way up to 80 years old. Like Pastor said, we went to schools. Our small group, I was in charge that week for putting together little booklets to give to each of the children and uh, tickets to attend festivals. And I counted 6,000 that our group of 9 or 10 went and ministered to just our little group. Yeah, hallelujah. Woo, God is good. Uh, Our last um, little group that we ministered to was at a nursing home. So a lot of people in their 70s and their 80s in wheelchairs. And I, there wasn't a large group, maybe 30, 35 people. Uh, and I didn't see a single hand not raised to accept Jesus into their hearts. Hallelujah. Oh, God is so good. So uh, Luke 10, uh, 2 says, and this is actually what Jesus was saying, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So if any of you feel like you're too young, or maybe you're too old, maybe that you're not a public speaker, the youngest girl on our team was 14 years old. The oldest gentleman that was there with the group of 80 was about 80 years old. Um, And our team leader herself, she's been doing these trips for 11 years. She said the first time she got on the stage, she fainted not once, but twice. (laughs) Passed out, got back up, shared the gospel, passed out again. (laughs) And she spoke with such a boldness and with such an anointing. I told her, I want to be like you when I grow up. (laughs) But one thing I will take away is this. Before the trip, I thought I was on fire for God read my word every day, prayed every day, multiple times a day, several prayer calls during the week, um, volunteering in the church. But after this trip, I haven't felt more lukewarm in my life. And that was so sobering a thought for me. I told her, I said, I thought I was doing a lot. But after seeing the boldness and the courage of these people sharing the gospel without fear of condemnation, you know, I want that for all of us. And so... Yes, hallelujah. Um, we are chosen. God's, our Jesus' last words was to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to all creation. So we are all called to do, and I hope that next year we'll all be together, a larger group uh, of more people getting ready to go Amen. and share. Amen. Miss Emily's going to come up, but we just wanted the kids to hear just a little portion of it. I'd like to dismiss the super kids now as Emily's coming up and have them come out. They can also watch online later if they'd like to listen to the rest. So any super kids can follow us out right now. Fifth, excuse me, first through fifth graders. And you may begin, Emily, go ahead. That's definitely hard to follow. (laughs) Um, My story is a little different, but I'm going to share a little bit more about when I was in Peru and kind of what we did and just give you a little synopsis and then my dad will come put the bow on it and share his heart. But um, I think... Everybody needs to do missions. I know personally I had a heart for missions. I've had one for a long time. I was supposed to go with my university in 2020, or Roberts, and 36 hours before I got on the plane to the Dominican Republic, COVID had hit, shut down the borders, couldn't go. I had been trained. 
I was actually a leader and done all these things. So I have all this missions training and I'm like, Jesus, what is happening? All right, fine. Missions training never goes to waste because it's not just, oh, you have to go sent somewhere to use it. Nope, you can use it anywhere. So I had this training. Then we had the call uh, for the you know, global missions trip. I was like, all right, I'm supposed to go. No doubt about it. I've watched Jesus do it before. Not concerned about finances. He tells me I'm going to go. It's going to be paid for. Never questioned it. Never doubted it. All came in. Cool. He was going to do it in the first place, right? So we go. Oh, my gosh. I get to the airport. I get out of the car. I have my packet in my hand. I go to check in. I can't find my passport. Step one, I was like, Lord, I check these things. I don't lose things. It had fallen out. I was a mess. And I was like, Jesus. Okay. So we calmed down, almost freaked out in the airport. A police officer found it. My dad had contacted or was looking around, had found a guest service person. We found it. Great. Okay. All these bumps. We get in. We go through security. Flight's delayed. All these messes. What should have taken us about 24 hours to get in Peru took us 48. I slept in an airport. I, we went from Houston to Atlanta to Miami, then finally to Peru. So obviously there's opposition, and that's another sign of, like, I'm supposed to be here. So we get into Peru, 4.30 a.m. Sunday morning, 8.30 a.m. we're at breakfast, trained all day Saturday, or Sunday at this point, trained all day. And then Monday through Friday, we started going into schools. We got our teams, we got our assignments. So you do this drama, and we have what's called nets. So they give us these little, like, pocket tracks, basically. There's five parts. So the first part, you're interacting with Bubbles the Clown. And then second part is like creation story. Third part, you start talking about Jesus. Fourth part, salvation, salvation call. Fifth part is healing. Um, You did not get one part for the week. Every day it was a Russian roulette of, hey, you're going to be told about 8 p.m. the night before. This is your part. It was a paragraph or two. I've shared the gospel before. But you get a microphone, you stand in front of six and 700 people, and they say, okay, you're part five. You're like, ah, okay, praise the Lord. I need my biology brain to kick in. So we go, and I mean, every single time. I remember the first time I got up to speak, I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I'm standing in front of kids. We also are dealing with translators. So I'm speaking, then the translator speaks, then the kids either repeat after us if we're praying or you're figuring out they're paying attention to you. So I I've told my leader, I said, hey, I might need your help. And she's like, that's what we're here for. And not once in the week when I started speaking did they have to come up behind me because the Holy Spirit fed me every single word. I would think of a line, he would tell me the next. (laughs) So it was great. And it was neat because it wasn't just like, oh, Pastor Jack, you're the pastor, so you're going to do the salvation call. I was like, nope, Emily, you're part four today, salvation. And I'm like, I've never led people in a salvation prayer. You're telling me to do this for 500 kids? Okay. Ah! I did my, my part for my salvation was at a dental office. We were outside, and there were so many people with their hands up receiving Jesus that it does not matter where you are. It didn't matter if we were in a school, a market, a dentist office. People wanted to hear what we had to say, and they wanted what we had. And it wasn't like, oh, my friend's raising their hand, like, yeah, whatever. They're like, no, that sounds good. I don't like the way I'm living. I'm like, what? You know, it takes our American mind a moment to have not not have rejection (laughs) and so that was very eye-opening and very sweet to know the gospel is simple it does not matter who preaches it it is real it works and it will work for anybody amen um and so people wanted it they were desperate they were hungry and then um the 
third or fourth day, they gave me part five, which is healing. And if you know anything about me, um, I went to college. I have a biology degree, and I just applied to medical school. My dream is to be a doctor, but I don't just want to be a doctor to give people medicine. I know the healer. So I want to introduce people to him. And I believe in the laying on of hands. I believe that God will heal anybody that wants it. And he will. And he showed up and he showed up big. So I was excited to do it because I was like, cool, this is my calling. Like, it's my time to do the healing one. And we're at a market, which the markets, it's not like Kroger's and Walmart's. It is dirt. Cars are driving through. And they are these little pop-up. They're selling fish, chickens. Uh, necklaces, anything you could think of, it's in this little market. And there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And we got our speaker, and we did our drama, and we got people's attention. And then I gave my talk on healing. And the, the little, I call them spiels, but they're not spiels, they're scripture. And you just tell them, Jesus died for you, and he loves you, and he wants to heal you. He doesn't, like, he came to heal the blind so they could see. He came to heal the lame so they could walk. And people hated him, and they wanted him dead, which is why they killed him. But he rose again, and he's alive, and he loves you, and he loves you so much that he wants you saved, set free, forgiven, and healed. And so he doesn't matter how long you've been dealing with something, whatever it is, he can heal you right now. You want your eyes healed because you're wearing glasses? You want your ears healed because you can't hear? Healed because you can't hear? Whatever it is, your legs, you know, they tell us, okay. And the coolest thing about this is we didn't have to lay hands on people. We stepped back and we said, take your hand, put it on the part of your body that's affected, and you believe with us. If you believe what we pray, God will heal you right now where you are. And so we prayed a prayer of healing. And then we said, do what you couldn't do before. Like, let's prove this because God's not a God that he should lie. He will heal you. And all the people started moving things that hadn't moved People started doing things they couldn't do. So when I did the healing one, I had a lady come up because I'm going to say, come up, tell us, tell us what God did for you. Um, we go through a little, you know, who are you? How old are you? How long have you been dealing with this problem? So I had a lady with like a stomach issue and she was like, you guys were praying. She was like, there was pressure and then it released. It was gone. She's like, I've been dealing with this for years. And she was like, I don't know what happened. And we're like, we do. <laughs> and so we always ask them a question. We say, who healed you? And they say, Jesus. And some of them will say, oh, y'all healed us. And we said, no, no, Jesus healed you. And he will continue to heal you. And then there was one more opportunity, which I'll share before I wrap up, where another lady came up. And sometimes God does things instantaneously. Sometimes they take a little bit of time. And he's no respecter of person. I can't always explain to you why that happens, but it's where you are in your faith. And God will do things for you, and he will do them instantaneously. And sometimes... It takes a little bit, and it doesn't mean you're any less important than another person. But we tell them, you know, hey, God's going to keep doing this, so keep doing what you couldn't do. But this lady came up, and she was like, my throat, and it's just, and I could hear her wheezing, and she was like, it's getting a little bit better. And I was like, God wants you completely whole, and I know he wants you whole right now, so will you let me pray for you, and can I lay my hands on you? She was like, yeah, sure. So I put my hands on her, we started praying. Oh my gosh, I've never felt anything like that before. If you've ever worked in any type of, not worked in, if you have operated in the gift of healing before, it is neat because God does not have to make things tangible, but he does because we're human. And man, the power of God hit her. She started shaking, crying, like I felt it. The people around me felt it and it was gone. She stopped wheezing. Her pain was completely gone afterwards. Like the Holy Spirit moved. And so 
that was neat just to be a part of it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, oh, it had to be you. It had nothing to do with me, but God used me with the gift that he's called me to in the place that I was in, and I was not on a medical mission trip. Like, so I, I just want to encourage you. Missions is for everybody. I know you have giftings and callings, and God can use you anywhere, but these people need us. Amen. We are so blessed here. Amen. We, it is so easy. You have a phone. You, have any, you can get to the gospel so easily, and these people, they were begging for it. Hallelujah. They were like, I, w- I want what you have. Amen. And so it was an honor to go. I encourage you to go. I know he'll share more about it, but from the bottom of my heart, thank you for praying. Um, for encouraging us, for partnering with us, for sowing into us, because as much as we went, you did too this time. So thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And uh, there were so many God moments on the way. It was uh, just getting there was was brutal. And you, I don't, I'm, I'm not supposed to tell you these parts because I'm supposed to tell you that you know Jesus was in it and it was easy and it was fun and. You know, we all got bracelets and all that. And, uh, but just getting there was hell because of uh, the opposition and what it did to our physical bodies, not being able to lay down for three days in and out of airports and what it took, you know, by the time we missed our connecting flight our first night and we were supposed to meet with the team in Atlanta, fly in with the other 40 people into Peru, take the bus and get down there. Well, because of everything that was happening in Houston, we missed that connecting flight. Well, our luggage didn't. <laughs> our luggage went ahead and went to Peru. And so we were left with just what was in our backpacks. And uh, I want to tell you, if you have to pick two people to travel with, Leslie and Emily are the most low-maintenance, easygoing people uh, that I've ever uh, had. The pr- I was the diva on the trip. I was the one that needed <laughs> ministry and I needed help, you know. And uh, it was just so uncomfortable. It was just so uncomfortable. And we didn't sleep for about two or three days. And, you know, by the time we got into Peru, they couldn't find our luggage. Thank you, Jesus, for the air tags, because we were able to tell them where our luggage was. Um, That still didn't mean they got it to us. And uh, so we finally got into Inca, like we said, about 4.30 that morning. And we started full-blown training. And because I was the only male on the team, I had to be Jesus in the drama. And I'll show you this drama one day. And I'll just, you, you talk about getting stretched. You talk about getting pulled out of your comfort zone. They yanked me like there was no tomorrow. I've never been pulled and stretched so much in my entire life. It was the greatest experience I've ever had in my life by far. But uh, the Lord said this to me. He said, you weren't mature enough before to go on the mission field. And it hurt. Because I've been to Africa. I've been to Guatemala. I've been to Mexico. I've been on the field before. But I wasn't mature enough as a believer to go and do what we did over the past 10 days. Now, when we start talking numbers of 27,000 souls between 80 people, that's 27,000 documented souls who got saved, who received information, who had local pastors calling them the next day, who got plugged into discipleship and plugged into churches. It wasn't just go get a big number, come back to America and raise money. There is a plan now for each and every one of these people to get discipled and to get help. Thank you, Lord. We were a part of several open air festivals. I got to preach in one of the festivals that night. And I got to do Blind Bartimaeus. It was amazing. I got to preach. Now, let me tell you, I'm just going to give you my analogy. 
To get a believer in America to me is like this. It's like panning for gold. It's like you stick your thing in and you start spinning. And man, a lot of stuff's falling out. And you see a couple of pieces. Okay, we got a couple of pieces. Let me work with it. All right, here we go. We got one. All right, let's see if we can get them to come more than once. Okay, they're coming. All right, there's three or four. Maybe let's see if we can get them in some discipleship. Oh, we lost four there. Okay, we got to hold on. Okay, we're going to ask you to help in the children's department. Oh, we lost about six there. So I got one piece left, and I'm working it around, and I'm hoping that maybe this will be, you know, a believer and a disciple in the Christian church. It's that hard. It's that hard. I went to a place where everywhere I stuck my hand, it was pure gold. I went to a place where no matter where I went, who I spoke to, age, gender, race, it didn't matter. Every person wanted to hear what we had to say about Jesus Christ. It was 100% working. Every hand goes up. Every person gets healed. I never had to talk anybody into the goodness of God. Not one time. You really, you think God loves me? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think I'd like to have that. You mean he'll heal me right now? Yeah, he'll heal you right now. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd like to have that. I didn't have to talk him into it. I didn't have to beg him. I didn't have to do anything. I'm telling you, there is a target-rich environment right outside our doors. If we are willing to go where it takes for us to put in the sickle and bring in the harvest. Do you think these flags are in here by accident? Look at these flags. Do you think they're just here for decoration? This church has had a call to the nation since its inception. And I am proud to announce today that we are changing churches. We are going to no longer be a come ye church. We're going to be a go ye church. We are going to the nations. We are going to our communities. We are going to the hard places in the unreached people groups. Anybody want to go to Thailand in June? You want to go to Thailand in June? Stand up. In June. It's in June. All we got to do right now is we got to start believing God for $12 a day. If you will start right now and believe in God for 10 to $12 a day, your trip will be paid for before that time. You may be seated. I am going to Thailand in June. Amen. I have seen this thing work. It is the greatest experience that I've ever had in my life. God broke so many things in me. He broke anger. He broke selfishness. There was a compassion in my heart. I want to show you a couple of pictures if you don't mind. This was our team, uh, actually the, uh, the, the 10 of us. We had two interpreters, see the clown in the middle? And that's where we went, man. We went to Inca, Peru, and that's the team. We were in a bus, and we went to school after school, open markets after open markets, and we did this drama, and people got saved. Go to the next one. This was them putting all the booklets together at one of the schools, and uh, these schools were not schools of 30 and 40. They were schools of hundreds and thousands. And we would go in and we would do an assembly and every child was given a, a book and every child was given tickets to these festivals. The festivals, the children's festivals and the adults festivals, the way they would do it is they would give away motorcycles, they would give away refrigerators, they would give away bicycles, they would give away all. And, and trust me, that sounds good even in America, doesn't it? Yeah. 
But in a nation like that, in a, in a place like Inca, Peru, that's everything. So these festivals would be flooded with people who thought they were there to win a prize and everybody did win a prize because they'd all get saved and they'd all get healed. And then some person would leave with a motorcycle. It was amazing. Go ahead. That's one of the schools that we were in. Go ahead. That's the lady that just reverberated under the power of God. I wish I had the video, but the lady was visibly shaking as Emily was laying hands on her, getting healed and delivered. And that's the middle of a market in Peru. We just pull up with a, with a, a sound system. I was a sound system guy. And we would hook the sound system up that was battery powered and we would do this little presentation and you would think they're going to throw rocks at us. They're going to laugh at us. There's no way this is going to work. And it worked 100 percent of the time. Go ahead. That's the other lady that Emily ministered to that got healed. That's Emily. We just pulled up in front of a dentist office and there's people, you know, when you ask if anybody has pain at a dentist office, you're going to get 100 percent participation. So we were able to go in right outside this dentist's office in the middle of this slum area, do the presentation. People got healed. People got saved. Everything worked with a clown. So we would have little card tricks and stuff. Everything was synchronized together, leading people into who Jesus is. Go ahead. I'm going to tell you about what this place is. It'll be the last slide, but then I'll tell you what that's all about. This was just pulling up. This freaked me out so bad, I couldn't believe it. I said, where are we going now? They said, we're just going to walk up into this market. We're going to set our sound system down. We're going to turn on music, and we're going to start dancing. I said, the heck you say? <laughs> I said, these boots, you know, this, this is not a movie. I'm a 57-year-old pastor, and this whole thing... This is not, no bueno por nada, no thank you very much. I started developing, you know, aches and pains in the van. But she would say, no, we're going to go out here, guys. We're going to start doing it. We're going to get the loudspeaker. And this lady had had a stroke, was paralyzed on the left side, and God healed her right there and then. Complete and total paralysis, completely and totally healed. Now, what wouldn't you do to go see that? What wouldn't you do to go see that? What little bit of discomfort would you go through for that? It's worth every minute. I'd do it tomorrow if you'd let me do it. Go ahead. So that's the drama. She was the cross. I was on the other side of the cross because I had to die 55 times a day doing this thing. Over and over and over. I died, but I resurrected every time. I promise. Go ahead. That was us. This is just the start of the presentation, which I'd like to be able to show you the live version of it at some point. That's Oscar. He was uh, amazing. He was our interpreter. And uh, I had one of the best miracles I've ever seen with him personally because uh, he was taking his finals at the same time he was with us in Peru. And he would take his finals at night. And one of the nights he had taken the test and he went to submit it and it wouldn't submit. And it went one minute past when it was due. And so I just had a real unction of the Holy Spirit to pray with him and believe God. And sure enough, the next day they'd accepted it. And uh, he had a miracle where he got the test accepted. Go ahead. So there's me on the cross again. You're going to see a lot of me on the cross. So this was one of the last schools that we did. And the cool thing about this school is that we got to do the presentation really, really close to the kids. 
And uh, they went bananas. They were so excited when Jesus is resurrected and all the different acting parts. Uh, and uh, I'll show you a picture of a kid who will be with me for the rest of my life. I almost put him in my suitcase and brought him home. Go ahead. This kid we laid hands on, worked with him for quite a bit. He did experience healing in his body, but he'd been in a wheelchair. He dealt with some sort of a birth defect. Uh, his name was Fernando, but we worked with him, worked with him, worked with him. We actually got him out of the wheelchair at one point. He did say that he was beginning to feel more and more, but I didn't quite see the 100%. But uh, we kept inviting him to come to the festival, come to the festival. Go ahead. Okay, so the last day, as a, as a fun day, we got to go, all of Inca is on, in a desert, and I'm talking about massive desert, desert where you can get lost. Well, you have these Mad Max dune buggy drivers in these giant dune buggies. And so we got into these dune buggy things, and there's about six to eight per person, and they drive like they're in Houston on the freeway. <laughs> and they go, you shoot up and down dunes and stuff. It was hilarious. And then you do the sandboard surfing down the... The sand dunes are so big, you can surf down them or ski down them. So that was our, our fun day there at the end. But that's the lady that reverberated under the power of God. That's when Emily was laying hands on her. This lady was visibly, visibly shaking under the power of God and got healed. Go ahead. Here's one of the schools. This was all boys. And uh, they allowed me, because I did net four at this one. I did salvation. She said, Pastor Jack, it's all boys. Go ahead and talk to them as men. So I had the opportunity to tell him what a real man does, that a real man asks for help, that a real man needs Jesus, that a real man is not the world tells you. And we had 100% participation. Every one of them received the gospel. There were multiple healings. We were able to bless them, give them stuff. And that, I'm going to be honest with you. This is where muscles helped a lot. Because I was tall, I was an American, and in, a, in, in Peru, I'm a giant. I'm of, in a, just the stature of the people. It's not a really, really big people. So I stood head and shoulders above, and I was a lot broader than most of them. So that a lot of them thought I was either Captain America or a wrestler. <laughs> and I had a lot of fun with both of those. Trust me. <laughs> Go ahead. This is me preaching in an open-air crusade in the middle of Inca with uh, an interpreter. I got to do Blind Bartimaeus, the gentleman to the right. They were acting it out as I was preaching it. Uh, it was powerful, uh, just such an opportunity to do it. There's our team. The little girl to the right turned 18 down there. There's Emily and I on our dune buggy. There's one of the crusades. It was just a target-rich environment. I mean, you just, there was just gold everywhere. I mean, it was like heaven. There was just gold everywhere, just laying all over the place. Go ahead. So, does anybody know what that says? What's it say? What else does it say? What's that called? Promised land. Who said that? Right, the promised land. So, every time that we, that, that Global Ventures goes somewhere, they do a water filter outreach. So, we went to the promised land there in Peru. We had 150 buckets, which we show the people how to drill a hole in the bucket. They give them a free water filter that if they will use this water, everybody notice that that's the desert, right? What is lacking? What makes a desert a desert? 
the lack of water. So all the water has to be trucked in. Well, this trucked in water is potable water. It's brown almost. So they have to boil it before they can even drink it. So we give them this bucket and this filter and we show them how to put the filter together. And if they will clean the filter after every use, it can last them 10 years. 10 years where they never have to boil water. So we do that. Well, of course, you get a massive crowd. We preach the gospel. People get saved. Lives get healed. Just the whole thing. It's amazing. But we went to the promised land. I thought that was funny. I said, I don't think that's what the promised land looked like. Go ahead. That was me at an all-girls school. And that was quite an experience. They thought I was a boy band rock star there for a few minutes. I had to keep doing this with the ring. You know, I was like, no, 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 no. Esposa, mi bonita, no bueno para nada. Yeah. Okay, see this boy in the middle? He just locked in. He could not take his eyes off of us. He never spoke. He never moved around. I mean, it was like the power of God was just flowing through this young man. And uh, I'll never forget him. That's Jack. Two Jacks. I found out the kid on the left, his name was Jack. So we snuck off. We weren't supposed to do pictures because they all want your autograph and they all want your picture. They all want your autograph and they all want your picture. So I snuck off with him. I said, I got to get a picture of me and this kid Jack. So that's two Jacks in Peru. That's John Smithwick. That's the meeting hall we met in every morning where we kind of did our debriefings and all that. And we ate. And that's his leadership team up there. And he shared a lot. And uh, it was awesome. And then this is the last place where we actually ministered. It was a retirement home. Right across the street was the funeral parlor. So those people, some of those people who could have been within minutes of slipping into eternity of hell, every one of them received Jesus Christ and every one of them got healed in the name of Jesus. You talk about being in the right place at the right time, folks. Those people got snatched out of hell. I mean, it could have been minutes for some of them before they passed on. That's my sound system. I carried that thing around everywhere I went for 10 days. It never left my side. Battery operated, had two mics and an iPod, and we did our music, and we did all of our stuff. Why am I showing you that? Because it was a part of me for every day where we went. That's the kid that we laid hands on in the wheelchair who came back and went to the festival. And every day is getting better and better. Is that the last picture? Go ahead and show me the last one, and I'll I'll stop with that. No, keep going. Keep going. Is that it? Okay, let me tell you about that hall. Um, At each one of the open air festivals, they actually had the mayor of Inca that would come, come up on the platform and kind of give the blessing over what we were doing, the mayor of the city. And that happened two times. So our last day of ministry, we left the retirement home and they said, can y'all quickly go to the mayor's office? They're getting ready to do something with Brother John. So our team pulls off. We go to the mayor's office. They award John a, 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 a giant star, basically the equivalent of the key to the city. And I just want you to, this is, the, this is the thought I want to leave you with this morning, okay? We went to Inca, Peru. They gave us medals for soul winning and getting people healed. Think about that. They gave us medals. What would happen if I went to the mayor of Houston, Texas? 
or any place. We don't want that. We don't need that. Oh, I already know that. I don't need your God. I know about God. I just want to tell you guys that if we'll be willing to get out of our comfort zones just a little bit, if you'll be willing to go through potentially a little bit of discomfort to get someplace, that once you get there, there is a target-rich environment of people that are dying to hear what you and I have to share and that they won't reject you and they won't turn their backs on you and they won't laugh at you and they won't do all the things. The reason that most of us will not share our faith is because we have a fear that we are going to be rejected. And I'm here to tell you today, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. And if you will make that switch in your thinking, it will be so easy for you to share your faith wherever you are. Now, Houston, Texas is by far the most um, diverse city in the United States. There are more nations, more different cultures in Houston, Texas than anywhere else. So maybe you don't have to get on a plane with me and go to Thailand. I wish you would. I really wish that you would. But this is how we're shifting from a come ye church to a go ye church. See, my job is to train you for the equipping of the ministry. But I want you to know that I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do first. I'm not going to send you someplace that I'm not willing to go first. So I have shown you I am willing to go anywhere on the face of the earth to do this ministry of this gospel. I am willing to go. Will you go with me? Will you go with me? Will you pick one of these flags and put it in your heart and begin to pray for the people in the other nations? Will you begin to maybe get outside of our own comfort zones? Will you be ready to be comfortable being uncomfortable? Because that's what it's going to take for us as a church to begin this. It is in my heart. I want to start a missions and evangelism board. And if you have a heart for evangelism and if you have a heart for missions, then I want to get together with you. Because it is in my heart that starting as soon as we can, that this church will do at least one outreach every month. That we will be doing something every month. I will give you an opportunity. We'll go to the Children Learning Center. We'll go, we'll go to WHAM. We'll do different stuff. But we have got to get outside of these four walls and we have got to get into this community. We have to do it. Secondly, it is my desire that we are on the mission field a minimum of once a year. Once a year that this church is going to have a missions trip that everybody should be able to be a part of. A part of that missions board is going to be helping us believe God for finances and start raising money so that we can do this. I never want money to be a reason why somebody can't go somewhere or do something. Money is the most beggarly element in this earth. It's the most least valuable thing. But yet we use that to decide what we can and can't do. So don't let money. When I say it's going to cost you $3,500 to go to Thailand, just say next. Next. But listen to me. I'm not paying for your trip. That's not my job. You got to start believing God now. If you really feel like this is something that you're supposed to be a part of, 
and you take your little jelly jar and you put it next to your bed and that $10 or $12 a day when you get that bonus check, whatever, you start putting money aside. You start asking God for creative ways for raising funds like Leslie did. You start asking God, Lord, is there a partner letter that I should write? God, and you start doing your part. There are people that wanted to go on this trip but they kept waiting for somebody else to pay for it. That is manipulation and that is not faith. If you're not willing to sow anything into it, why should anybody else? David would not let the temple be built on a piece of ground that he did not personally invest in. If you don't believe you're worthy enough to be invested in, no one else is either. I'm preaching so good this morning. But it's different, isn't it? It's different, but it's a good different. Amen. I'm not looking to see if I can build the biggest church. I'm looking to see how much of a, what's the thumbprint? When West Houston Christian is, is dead and gone, what's the thumbprint we've left in the earth? How many thousands, how many people, how many trafficked people did we, we were able to help? How many children were we able to get to? How many of the elders were we able to take care of? How many widows could we help? That's what we're going to be remembered for. No one's going to remember this building, the great sermons, the messages. It's what's our legacy? What's the legacy of this church? I, I got to tell you, I can't just have a vision just to have church. That can't be the limit of my vision. There's got to be more. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Good, isn't it? I just wanted to share a statistic with you to just empower the fact that this gospel shall be preached to every nation and then the end will come. There are 7.83 billion people in the world and 3.28 of those billion, 3.28 billion people worldwide are unreached. They're unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are 7,406 unreached people groups that have never been reached with the gospel. Amen. How many would be interested in serving on a missions and evangelism board? All through the congregation. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to start, okay? I'll let you know. We'll have a meeting after church, and uh, we'll get together, and we'll start mapping this thing out. Just as I, I want to end with this, because this is also something that I think that each and every one of us can come back from this trip with. Amen? Is that I finally got put into a position in a situation where the only way through it was through the Holy Spirit. I had to have complete and total dependency on the Holy Ghost to do what they asked me to do. Because in the natural, I couldn't do it. And I got to tell you, folks, whatever it takes for you to get to that place in your life, where, Lord, I cannot do this without you. I cannot do this, Holy Spirit, without you. And I'm talking about when we get hungry and we get dependent on the Holy Ghost, I guarantee you, you're going to start seeing changes in your life. You're going to start seeing movement on things, on long-standing faith projects. Amen? Why? Because we got to, it took me to get into a hotel room, away from everything. I will say, God bless American plumbing. I will say that. Plumbing in America is wonderful. Because you can pretty much put anything down that you want and you're going to be okay. Third, anything south of the border, no bueno por nada. Only water. You cannot put anything else in the... It's anyway. It's just a different scenario. But to be in that room, to be away from my wife, to be away from my kids, to be away from my church, to be away from my phone, 
to have these things that I had to memorize because every day they asked me to memorize something and do something. Every day pulling me farther. Every day pulling more out of me. Every day expecting more. And every day I was like, Holy Spirit, if you don't do this, I can't do it. I cannot do this. And every day he met me. Every day. Every day he met me right where I was. And he took me farther than I could ever imagine. You want to go? You want to go? Let's go together. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. Well, I don't ever, ever, ever let to let a service pass. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and I'm not talking about going to church or going to Sunday school. I'm talking about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've never made him Lord of your life, then I would love the opportunity to lead you in this prayer. In this prayer, all this prayer is doing is you're confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The same Jesus that did miracles in the Bible is doing miracles today. He's a miracle-working God. Whatever it is in your life that you're dealing with, he's got the answer to it. He's healed every disease. He's fixed every heart. There's nothing too hard, too big for my Savior. But what's so cool about him is he stands at your door and he knocks. He doesn't kick the door in and come in whenever he wants. He's such a gentleman and he loves you so much that he's waiting for you to ask. So if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then just pray this prayer with me and uh, we'll, we'll start with that. Are you ready? Just say, dear Jesus, I want to know you. I invite you into my life. I answer the door of my heart. And I say, come in. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heal me of all my diseases. Deliver me from all addiction. Give me a hunger for your word. Guide me to a good church. But most importantly, be my best friend. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you've never prayed that prayer before, then man, the journey just started for you. But let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a 33 user of the product. And uh, it's always good. Amen. Know that Pastor and Michelle and I love you. Continue to pray for Pastors Jack and Mary Jean as he is recovering. Um, I want to hug each and every one of you and just say thank you for those that prayed. Thank you for those that sowed. Um, thank you for those that minded the store and allowed me the opportunity to go. But uh, I just want you to know that we're, we're a new church now. Amen. 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 West Houston Christian Center. And it wasn't a bad church before. Don't, don't, don't confuse that. It was a great church. But now it's going to be a little bit of a different church.